He was a beautiful man, with thick, lustrous, and shiny brown hair, and the prettiest pecan tan you'd ever want to see. Brown eyes that haunt me, staring at me from my computer screen. A truly beautiful person. But on one Friday in September of 1991, his body was found in Fayetteville, brutalized and beaten. This is the story of Jimmy Riddle. Jimmy Riddle was lumpy, and from what we could find out, it seems he lived in Fayetteville most of his life, which is only one county over from Robinson County, where most of our cases come from. He was born on April 23, 1967. So in 1991, he was just 24 years old. And we spoke to several people for this episode, including Jimmy's brother and one of his close friends from school who was friends with him since the first grade. And one of the things that I thought was kind of funny about Jimmy was that his friend Regina describes him as so lovable, but also very aggravating, which we probably all have some friends kind of like that from school. And Chelsea is like that friend to me now, so... (laughs) Just kidding, Chelsea. But here is Regina describing. <laughs> here is Regina describing Jimmy and one moment of them from high school, where she taught Jimmy not to mess with her. I've known him since the first grade. He was one of my first friends at Warrenwood Elementary School. Wow. Um, sweet as sweet could be. Um. He, at times, I I could actually call him my best friend. Wow. Um, And here's one of those times I start crying, like I said, I went to. Oh, that's okay. Um, Like I said, he was was really sweet. He'd give you the shirt off his back. But he could be the most aggravating and annoying (laughs) butthole on this earth oh my goodness what kind of stuff would he do um he was just aggravating me one day during PE and he kept reaching up and and just pushing me just a little bit just enough to aggravate me and then he grabbed my butt oh no without thinking I turned around and I swung and I slapped him across the face I'm good I'm glad you fired his little jaws up he can't be grabbing (laughs) people's butts that is so wrong especially not a girl yeah Mm -mm. especially somebody you've known forever right Uh, and the coach came over and he said okay now Miss Hill I know you don't just slap people for nothing what happened and I said, he grabbed my butt. And he said, Jimmy, run the gym. So Jimmy had to run laps around the gym. Oh, my goodness. It could have been worse, you know. Could yep. have sent him to the principal's office. Could have, you know, back then they could still, you know, paddle you. Yeah. But he, he said, nope, you run the gym. You're, 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 you just run the gym today. Wow. And every time he passed by me, he'd give me this ugly look. And after P.E. class, I said, you shouldn't have grabbed my butt. And he said, but I was just playing, Gina. I don't care. No, right. He can't do that. I told you to leave me alone. And you didn't. And he said, well, I know not to do it again because, man, that hurt. 
Wow, no, Jimmy did not grab her butt like that, but I'm glad she got him back. Honey, me too. We don't play that, miss. Nope. So Jimmy was a little bit of a troublemaker, but we also know that according to both Regina and his brother Max, that Jimmy was also incredibly kind-hearted and sweet. And unfortunately, Regina told me that Jimmy was bullied in school. She said that the group of guys would bother him, pick fights with him, and would use slurs against him. And when I asked her what kind of slur, I won't repeat the word, but she said that it was a slur used against gay people. And it begins with an F, so I'm sure you all know what that word is. And she said that at the time, she didn't really know what the word meant. And she didn't feel comfortable asking anybody, but she said that Jimmy would get really mad and she'd try to calm him down. But I mean, those are fighting words. And also, at the same time, if this is a group of people saying this, it's almost like you can't do anything because you're outnumbered. And so, Regina also mentions that she didn't realize that Jimmy was gay until sometime later. She said that she had a cousin who she considered to be quote-unquote different, but she could never understand exactly how she was different. And she said that Jimmy was that same kind of different, and it wasn't until later that she realized that he was gay. And also, I mean, they would have been in school together in the 70s and 80s. There's so much homophobia in the world today, so I can only imagine what it was like 30 or 40 years ago. Right, and I was also telling her that I knew a kid a few years ago who was gay who told me that his teacher told him that he was going to hell for being gay. So, I mean, if that's what's happening in schools in the 21st century, then I can only imagine what the environment would be like, uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And so after school, it seems like Regina lost touch with the Jimmy. You know, life happens. She got married, had a baby, and Jimmy was off doing his thing too. And one day she said she had this overwhelming feeling. And I'll let her describe what happened next. But something told me, go call your mom, call your mom. So I drove up to the nearest uh, store down the road from my house and called her on the payphone. I said, Mama, something's happened. Um... I keep getting this push that I'm supposed to call you. Wow. And she said, baby, Jimmy's dead. Oh, my God. And I just kind of stood there. She said, did you hear me? And I said, my Jimmy? My first grade Jimmy? She said, yeah. Because I knew, I knew two different Jimmys. But when she said Jimmy's dead, it just it hit me in a different way than the other person. Right. I don't know why, but, you know, I knew it was him. And she said they found him over in the lake. And I knew she met College Lakes Lake. Um, and I said, what tell? I said, what? A, 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 did he drown? What happened? And she said... From what she remembered, she said she didn't have the newspaper in front of her, but she said that he was found dead in the lake with a pair of women's boots Mm -hmm. and stockings on. Jimmy Riddle's body was found in College Lake in North Fayetteville on Thursday, September 26, 1991. He was found at 8 a.m. that morning by a couple named Stephen and Susan Hudak who were going fishing. 
They actually thought that his body was a blow-up doll or a mannequin, but unfortunately it wasn't and Jimmy was submerged face down in three feet of water about 10 feet from the shore, which was is called a, the boat landing. And this boat landing, according to the Fable Observer, can be reached by a dirt road through the end of Southport Road and it's a popular spot for people to fish during the day and also for kids to hang out at night and somebody also called it um, like a lover's lane type place. In Jimmy's body, y'all, it's just heartbreaking. His face was badly beaten, and one of his eyes was swollen shut, and one of his ears was torn. And Jimmy was nude, except for a pair of pulled-down pantyhose and black women's boots. And actually, the first news article we found said that Jimmy was white, but in later articles, they corrected themselves and referred to him as Indian, which happens in a lot of cases with Native people. And so, um... All of that is a lot to process, we know, and we also wanted to play you this short clip from Jimmy's brother, Max, about how he found out about Jimmy's death. I was get, I was called, um, I guess, the, and I was told that, you know, watch 6 o'clock news that my brother would be on there. I just can't imagine. And Max also told us that he was the one called down to identify Jimmy's body. And you know, in terms of the investigation, there is just a lot of, well, you'll see later. So so at the scene, they know that there was a struggle and they can tell that Jimmy was dragged about 75 to 100 feet and put in the water. And they also found other clothing nearby, but they aren't sure if it was Jimmy's or not. The police quickly sent off Jimmy's body for an autopsy to be done, and the medical examiner's office in Chapel Hill stated they had died by drowning, and they officially began investigating the death as a murder then, which of course was obvious beforehand. But I also wonder if he was sexually assaulted or not. You know, did they do a rape kit or anything like that? So I couldn't find anything on that, and I'm assuming that he probably was a victim of sexual assault, though, just because of the way he was found, you know, with hardly any clothes on. But also, and just FYI for our listeners, the Fayetteville Police Department has a very cool feature on their website where you can actually request police records. And so I requested records from them on Jimmy's death, but also for any kind of arrest records for Jimmy, if there were any, and you'll understand why I did this later. And they couldn't find any arrest records for him, but they sent me an eight-page document on Jimmy's murder investigation. Oh my God, Brittany, are you serious? Yes, but seven of the pages were actually redacted since the case is still open, oh. so I could only see one of the pages, so it wasn't, wasn't as cool as I thought it was going to be. But it, it didn't really give any new info other than what I had already read in the Fable Observer. And this is what I was referring to earlier when I said the investigation had a lot of kind of you'll see moments. But in the Fable Observer, there is an extremely specific description of the last person Jimmy was seen with. The man is described as white. 170 pounds, six foot two, with sandy brown hair in a military flat top style, who might go by the name of Shay. It also said that he was seen um, as the passenger in a red truck with silver stripes with a sticker that said Airborne on the windshield on Bragg Boulevard late that Wednesday night and early Thursday morning. Brittany, are you kidding me? I mean, how much more descriptive like can it get to have a suspect? I, I really don't know, and I mean... I actually did a Google search and found somebody who fits like every single one of those descriptors too, except I don't know if they ever were a passenger in a red truck, but 
This has me wanting to go Google it really quick. I'll send you the screenshot, honey. But perfect. <laughs> You're really on that sleuth status this week, ain't you? Honey, yes. I got police reports, screenshots, and all. And to get the newspaper articles, I actually had to contact the newspaper and have them send me those from the archives. And so speaking of those archives, again, with this specific description, I mean, how did they not find this man? See, that's just what makes me mad. I mean, what more do you need? This man's social security number? I, I mean, I really don't know, but this brings us to our next part of the story. And so I want to play you this clip of this YouTube link that's posted by the Fayetteville Police Department. And it is um, horrible, to put it nicely. On September 26, 1991, Jimmy Riddle was a 24-year-old cross-dressing male prostitute that was brutally beaten and drowned. Okay, first of all, that was really hard to listen to. And second of all, they called him a cross-dressing prostitute? What in the world? None of the articles ever refer to him doing sex work. Right, which is exactly why I asked for arrest records. So there were no arrest records for Jimmy from the Fayetteville Police Department. They said that there was no record of any kind of arrest for him. And so I'm really unclear as to why he would be called a prostitute if there's no record of him being arrested for that. And also, using the term cross-dresser is actually super offensive, y'all, and outdated and should not be used to refer to anybody ever. And also, like, what a horrible way to start a video asking for people to help with an investigation. Right, like, that mess was trash. We also learned from both the archives and the police report that Jimmy was unemployed, but that he had recently worked at a restaurant in Fayetteville. So, we aren't sure if he quit or not, but I guess, besides that, I'm still thinking about the Shay person. Like, that has kind of got me shook. Honey, you and me both. And when I talked to Jimmy's brother, Max... He also said that when he was in the military, he knew of this guy who told him about another guy who used to go around beating up gay people. And at this time in the military, this was right before the don't ask, don't tell policy that Clinton put in place, which was used to exclude and bar gay people from serving in the military. And one of the quotes that I read online about it said that gay people, and I quote, would create an unacceptable risk to the high standards of morale good order and discipline, and unit cohesion that are the essence of military capability. Wow, I really don't know if Bill Clinton is the person we should be looking to for, you know, moral and high standard quotes. Right. But also, it makes me think about our Native communities historically and how we were not like this at all in the past in terms of supporting and protecting LGBTQ people. Right. Like our communities were so centered around upholding and uplifting LGBTQ people. And in so many native nations, there were not just two genders. There were actually three or four and many nations held these folks in a very high regard. And so it's amazing how in the space of just a few hundred years, you know, our society and our, our, our nation has gone from uh, protecting these individuals and, and considering them as sacred and to them being one of the most vulnerable populations in America and also an extremely at high risk of violence and of getting terminated from employment and at risk of so many other types of discrimination too. And so have there been any updates on the case or any other leads or anything? No, but Jimmy's brother did say this. Things to me that, you know, how can somebody just get murdered and nobody know nothing about it? Right. And, and they never contact me wow. or my or my family. Nobody's ever came back and said, hey, we're still looking into this case or anything else. It's just, 
just amazing, you know, that, you know, it's like, you know, they're gone and it, so what? Wow, so the police have never contacted him once. Nope, not one time. Oh, it's such like a common theme in every case we cover. No contact from the police. Like, they really don't even care. Yeah, and Jimmy's uh, mama and stepdad both passed away not too long ago. So, you know, they left this earth without getting any final answers about what happened to Jimmy. Also, I found out that Jimmy was buried in Pembroke at Harpers Ferry Baptist Church. And so I actually asked my Uncle Courtney if he would go to the graveyard and look. And you asked your daddy to go to a graveyard, too, for Lisa Harden and Michelle Driggers episode? Yes. One of the prerequisites for being my family member is you're going to have to go to gra- uh, graveyards for me. We got all the hunts on our Red Justice Project staff. The graveyard payroll. Yes. And they're probably going to sue us t- uh, soon, too, for unpaid labor. But when my uncle actually went out there, he couldn't find Jimmy's grave. I wonder if he's maybe, you know, doesn't have a marker or something. That's what I was wondering, too. But I want to go to, I want to go look and just leave flowers or something if I can find it. I know. That's only a couple of miles from my mama's house. I should go next time I'm home. Yeah. So, like we did in the last episode, we want to take a moment of silence for Jimmy Riddle and for all of our two-spirit, transgender, gender nonconforming, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and queer people who have been stolen from our communities. Rest in peace and power, Jimmy. We hope for justice for you soon. Our next case is one that has been on our radar for a while, but we don't have very much information about. A friend of mine named Panisha Bullard Blue contacted me about her uncle, David Bullard, and this is what she said about him. He was like a father figure to me. I mean, he would come pick me up, we would ride around, we would laugh. I mean, he taught me everything. When he loved the garden, he showed me everything I needed to know about gardening. He taught you a lot of stuff. He said he was like a father figure. Yeah. Yes. I, I saw your um post on Facebook, too. I think you said y'all used to ride around together and just do all yeah. kind of stuff. I don't know if you want to speak to that at all. Yeah, I mean, if I had anything on my heart, that, that I was, anything that was bothering me, I knew I, who I could turn to, who I could run to. It would always be him. And he would always, you know, tell him, you know, lead me in the right direction or, you know, just... Give me a peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah. He meant the world to me. And I know we talk a lot on our podcast about the importance of grandmothers and mothers and matriarchs, but also the role of a father is so critical. Panisha said that her uncle David was like a father to her. And we see that in a lot of our tribal communities, too, where your aunts and uncles are so close to you, like a mother or a father. And so that was definitely true for her as well. So, Panisha said that she was in school, in college, and she had an extremely bad feeling, just like Regina had earlier. And so, she left school early, and she got home, opened the door, and she just saw one of her relatives crying. And she soon found out that her Uncle David had been killed. She said that there had been some inmates from a prison who were cleaning litter from a road when they saw a man's body in a ditch. Unfortunately, this man was Panisha's Uncle David, and he had been in that ditch for three days. And this was also in the Evans Crossroads community. 
Wow, Brittany, three days. That is horrible. So do we know what happened? So from what we know, it was a hit and run. And there are actually a few theories as to the kind of car and also as to why he was hit. But we learned that it was most likely a Cadillac car that hit him. And it was early in the morning and there was uh, apparently some kind of ongoing feud going on between Mr. David maybe and somebody else. And we also learned that like many other families do, his sister called the sheriff's department every day, pushing them to do something, but nothing was done. Mr. David was just 47 years old when his life was taken from him. He was a father figure, a brother, and an important person to so many people. What happened to him is not okay. Robison County has the highest rate of vehicular homicide in the state. After our story on Joyce and Teresa, which we did a few episodes ago, we got so many messages from folks telling us that this same thing had happened in their family. A hit and run with no charges ever filed. This has happened too often for it to be an accident. It has to be systemic. If you have any information about the murder of David Bullard, please contact the State Bureau of Investigation. 